If you're considering a divorce, your life's about to change. On this episode of Millstone River Live, we're talking about committing to making a plan you can live with so that things will be better for everyone involved in a divorce. But first, a quick disclaimer. This podcast is not about legal consideration, your grounds for the divorce, child custody, alimony, or property distribution. This is meant to be food for thought about some financial planning considerations. Now, we've done our best to provide reliable information in this podcast, but you're still strongly encouraged to seek professional legal and tax counsel before making any decisions or taking any actions. Let's get started. Adam, where do we begin? I think it's uh, helpful if we start with spending and ensuring that you have a spending plan. The first part of this is to, um, we find it it's generally helpful to collect and organize recent monthly and annual expenses. The schedules of these expenses will establish a starting point in which to set a budget. Uh, and this can be really helpful in guiding you through the separation period. Uh, we're happy to help you uh, in going through this process. Uh, but it's really helpful to have a baseline to know uh, what your uh, lifestyle cost when you are married. After we do that, Matt, what's next? I think there's going to be some additional expenses for most couples when they go through the separation period heading for a divorce. So those might include additional childcare expenses. It might be the maintenance of a second home. Uh, maybe it would be health insurance if... Um, one of the spouses was covered under the other spouse's plan and will no longer be covered. So it's important to consider these additional expenses that you didn't have during married life as you go forward, thinking about it in terms of your income from all sources. So that kind of just gives you a thought there on those two ideas about expenses that we know about or can anticipate. What else might there be? I think we definitely need something for an emergency fund. If you don't have an emergency fund, it's important that you start uh, saving for it. These are for the unexpected expenses, even after going through this process and taking a hard look at things. A good advisor will recognize that most people haven't previously operated within the confines of a spending process, a spending plan, and that this process may be quite new. Despite the undesirable nature of listing out expenses and identifying places to reduce spending, maybe even earmarking assets for sale uh, to create needed liquidity. These steps can all have a, a considerable positive impact to your financial health during separation and post-divorce. So once you've gone through this exercise and you know what it used to cost to live your lifestyle and what it may cost to live your lifestyle in the future, um, I think the next thing we need to look at is an inventory of the assets that you own. Yeah, I agree. So some people would call this a net worth statement, and that's really what it is. If you've done a full-fledged financial plan with a financial advisor, you probably have a net worth statement pretty early on in that plan. Most people, I would say, probably do not have one. But this would be a good time to start thinking about it. Um, when you list out assets, you want to think about not just what those assets are and what they're worth, but also, are they marital assets or separate assets? We don't want to get into the varying state laws about how this property would be owned before a marriage, during a marriage, and after, but it is important to kind of note 
where these assets originated, who owned them, and, and that will help guide decisions later when it comes to distributing those assets. The other thing to think about is, uh, and this includes separate assets, any increases in value during the marriage may now be considered a marital asset. So even assets and debts that were not jointly owned could be treated as marital property by the court. And without any formal prior agreement in place to treat the asset differently, uh, sometimes people are in for a surprise, uh, not a welcome surprise. And so it's important to start thinking through what these assets are just to avoid those surprises later. Figuring out fair market value sometimes is going to require outside help. Uh, best as possible, you want objective, third-party, professional guidance there. Uh, so for an example, what's the house worth? You may want a real estate broker or an appraiser to come in and offer guidance on what that value is, what a business is worth, or other assets that are not easily reported on a monthly or quarterly statement. So we think that that stuff's very important. Um, but then it gets a little bit more complicated probably with retirement plan assets, right? Yeah, because we're financial advisors, we have to draw special attention to the value of retirement plans. And that often will uh, require outside help. Generally, the value of a plan is based on uh, vested benefits at the time of separation and divorce, but it does depend on the state. In some instances, however, the plan benefits or employer contributions will increase based on years of service, including years when the couple was married. Uh, a pension certainly is one of the most difficult marital assets to value. Its value depends on whether the employee, uh, employee's spouse remains with the employer until age of retirement and at what age he or she actually retires. Given these complexities, it may be necessary to hire a forensic accountant to praise the value of an employer-provided retirement benefits. Uh, once, you, um, you know, once you figure it out what some of the more difficult assets to value uh, are worth and you have an inventory of what you own, I think the next step that Matt will talk about is you know, who do you owe money to? Yeah, marital debt, that's a troubling one because what happens often is that people will figure that the other spouse is responsible for those debts. And things like credit cards, for example, um, I'm not going to pay the bill because it was the other person's charges. That creates problems for credit. And this is not a time that we want to sink our credit scores when we may be looking for the establishment of new credit. So one of the recommendations that we give people is, why don't you go ahead and obtain your current credit report from all three of the major credit reporting companies, so Equifax, TransUnion, Experian, and make sure that you know what you each owe in outstanding debts of all kind. And just like we said with your income sources and your expenses, this would be a great thing to inventory as well. Um, when it comes to protecting this assets and credit. Um, what are some helpful tips, Adam, that some people might want to think about? It's certainly important to protect your marital assets as you're going through the separation process. Uh, it may seem counterintuitive to some, but it's important to note, you actually don't want to transfer any money or sell any marital assets between the dates of separation and divorce. If a transfer or sale, it's necessary. It's, it's very important that you consult an attorney or mediator prior to initiating such a transaction. Uh, keep in mind though, there'll be needs for, uh, you know, to have cash to pay for ongoing expenses. Uh, attorneys can recommend how to best split cash accounts into individually owned accounts so that each spouse has access to liquidity, um, you know, when they need it. 
for all other accounts, uh, notices should be sent to the financial institutions to give instructions not to make distributions or transfers without authorization by both parties. And while we're on that subject, uh, you can also do the same for check writing privileges, line of credit, credit card. Uh, by reaching out to those institutions, you can just say, even if you have a zero balance, that you'd prefer um, to freeze the account until uh, the separation process is over. So I think it's important because we see it uh, most to, you know, spend some pr- additional time on just going over, um, you know, employee and retirement benefits. Yeah, so often in a, in a divorcing couple, one or both of the spouses will have some form of benefits through their employer, and often those are around retirement. So many costly mistakes can be avoided just by thinking about the rules that are used for splitting these accounts and knowing that the rules and the ways that these accounts are going to be split may be unique for each plan type. So pensions, for example, will not pay benefits to either spouse until the employee spouse spouse has applied for those benefits and is eligible in retirement. It's not something you would get immediately, just as an example. One other aspect to think about is that a court-ordered Uh, what's called Qualified Domestic Relations Order, or QUADRO, Q-D-R-O for short, is always going to be needed to avoid tax and penalty consequences when splitting up these types of benefits. This is a court-ordered item that is generally prepared by the attorneys and agreed to by both spouses during the negotiation. Um, But knowing that qualified retirement plans, pensions, Uh, that have guaranteed benefits of any kind need to be taken a closer look before signing off on any type of a settlement agreement. These values may not be the same for both spouses. There may be great differences of what the employee spouse would have earned versus what the divorcing spouse might be otherwise entitled to. So the settlements have to make sure that they safeguard that the ex-spouse is restricted from changing these things on them, but also that both people walk away being somewhat entitled to that. Now, we've talked about assets, expenses, um, income. Everybody's favorite favorite subject is next. (laughs) Taxes. What do we need to know? Well, you know, when you're separating uh, and you have financial assets, unfortunately, anytime you divide uh, property, uh, it can create a taxable event. Things like payment of alimony, receipt of child support, all could have uh, tax implications. It's important to note in advance how these consequences will apply because it can go a long way from avoiding an unwanted surprise. Also, too, not all assets are necessarily going to be treated equally based off of their tax status. For example, uh, an investment that is going to be taxed at ordinary income, uh, if you're going to be the one that owns that asset, potentially that could be less in value after it's sold than something that has long-term capital gains in it, as an example. How do we all, how do we tie this all together? It's a difficult time for someone, you know, what, what would you say in thinking about planning for divorce? Yeah. So, you know, thinking about this, I mean, when we talk with our clients who call us sometimes reluctantly, sometimes, uh, you know, feeling somewhat ashamed or certainly emotional, to let us know that a divorce is in their future, we like to make sure that there are certain points that they try to bear in mind so that they can avoid making mistakes or avoid doing things that they would later regret. You know, one of those is that you'll hear the term equitable distribution, and divorce settlements are supposed to be equitable. 
that does not necessarily mean that every asset and every liability is split 50-50, or even that the sum of the assets and liabilities end up being split 50-50. As an example, one spouse may be awarded more ownership of a property to compensate for the other spouse's higher future income earnings. So thinking about these things early, that's our message here today. We want to make sure that what people do when they get to the divorce is they set aside some time, some thought, should go into exactly how all of these financial considerations are viewed and agreed upon ultimately. It's easy to get tied up in the emotional aspects and child custody disputes or splitting up money, but really when it comes right down to it, you want to make sure that at the other end of the divorce, when the judge signs off and you walk out, that you haven't done anything that would later be costly or that you would regret. And basically what we tell clients in lots of situations is, you know, be careful about allowing the emotions to cloud otherwise good judgment. I think a good financial advisor will help clients to keep their eye on the things that are important when emotions might otherwise tug uh, our attention away. You know, hanging on to a house because of its sentimentality may be a catastrophic decision later if it becomes difficult to afford the upkeep of that house in a post-divorce circumstance. So, you know, might it have been more beneficial, just as an example, to give up ownership of that house for something that might be income generating later and might be more beneficial in getting everybody off on a solid financial footing. Uh, We think developing a financial plan with good choices during a divorce can have significant impacts for a lifetime for both spouses, as well as any children or extended family members that are involved. We think consulting competent and ethical professionals along the way will certainly help to identify all these applicable factors in all of these decisions. Um, So that was sort of 10 considerations to think if you're heading for divorce. We hope you've enjoyed this episode, maybe learned something, giving you food for thought, if nothing else. And this has been another episode of Millstone River Live. Feel free to share this episode with someone you think might benefit. Millstone River Wealth Management is an independent wealth management firm based in New Jersey. We form a supportive partnership with our clients and help with financial education and planning. You can send feedback about this podcast or any other topic, as well as questions to podcast at millstone-river.com. More information about our firm, as well as accessing appointment time with us to discuss these or other issues, can be done online at millstone-river.com. Thank you.